So today we're going to talk about family values. Family values. I was actually at the um, high school for my, my daughter's um, band um, recital uh, this, this week. And I caught something that's a motto of the, of the school there. And I can't remember the direct quote, um, but that's okay. Um, I kind of uh, applied it to us as a church, us as the body of Christ, us as family. Some were raised here. Some were called here. No matter what, we are family. We are family. And so, no matter how your experience with family is, we are, uh, today we're going to talk about family values. Um, family values us based around the family of God, His church, how it applies to our lives, our families, even individually, how it applies to us. What is our values as individuals? What is our values as, as mothers, as fathers? As children, what is our values? A coach once said this to me, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Think about that. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. But does it bring you fulfillment? No. Is there joy in it? No. It's a waste. There's no direction. Values are important, and values are essential in family. Values are very important in church. Value, values are important for every person. Nothing drifts toward excellence. That was something that we used to talk about a lot at Chick-fil-A. We wanted to be uh, excellent. And for those who don't know, for the past seven years before I moved here, I was a manager at the uh, Chick-fil-A in Salisbury. Uh, while also planting a church. And so um, had a lot of experience um, with, with Chick-fil-A. Anybody love Chick-fil-A? I mean, seriously, it's, I've been told that it is Christian chicken, right? You know, except you can't have it on Sunday. So, but you enjoy it on Monday even more, right? Because you can't have it on Sunday. Uh, but we used to talk about this, that nothing drifts towards excellence, You don't just, like, become the best. Like, Michael Jordan didn't become the greatest of all times. Like, he had to go through trials. He had to go through multiple practices. You know, the greatest of all times didn't just drift towards excellence. And we want to be the best moms. We want to be the best dads. We want to be the best children of God that we can possibly be. We can't just drift there. We have to ask, what is our values? What do we stand on? And so think about that today. What is your values? Both personally and also family. What is your family values? Growing up, my family was all into sports. Like my mom was like, she's six foot tall. I'm six four. My, my sister's six foot tall. So like height runs in our family. So we were always basketball players. My mom was a... Um, all conference um, for two, two counties. Think about that. All conference for two counties. Back then, she could play in Randolph County and also Davidson County, and she was all conference for those. 
um, they used to guard her with brooms because everybody else was like really, really tall or really, really short, and she was really, really tall, so they would guard her with brooms. She was really good. That passed on to my sister who went on to play for High Point University, uh, did a really good job there. Uh, sports was always big in my family. I grew up playing sports, uh, basketball and baseball. Um, church was also important to my family. My mom always would play the piano. Every morning I remember her practicing on the piano before church. She would always practice this one particular song, and it's ingrained in me. Anytime I think about my mom playing, it's this song, because they literally would do this every Sunday at the end of the sermon. Many of you probably can guess what that is. Just as I am. Exactly. She would play that over and over. Now, last week I talked about my dad, uh, how he loved racing. My dad loved, loved racing. He loved, loved sports as well. Um, but he was a hard worker. So he valued hard work. If you would look at my dad's hands, you could see just the, the, the history of working with cars. He valued hard work. Some of you may value outdoors. Some, I hope, and many of you, I hope that you value God's word, that your family values prayer. For my family, we value prayer. We've seen prayer. Um, we've seen God do amazing things. We value God's word and reading it for ourselves. We value eating together. Many in our day and time do not eat together. And so a big thing for us is that we eat together almost every night of the week. At least majority of the nights of the week we eat together. I was in my, my home um, that I grew up in yesterday with my mom and I was looking my mom, like I call it a museum. Like I go in there like the shag carpet that was once there is no longer there, like nice hardwood floors, you know, the, the old tables and all different kinds of things that was there is no longer there. I think because I moved out, she was like, I'm going to like update this house. So I called it a museum. And uh, I was there, and I, I looked. She has this dining room table, and it's all decorated. And, and then she has another dining room table, and it's all decorated. And it made me think, they don't eat there. They don't. Like, my family, like, we didn't grow up eating at the table. Like, I didn't have, like, parents that really ate at the table. That wasn't a value for us. We would eat around the, the TV, right? So for me and Hannah, we made, it, made sure that a value for us was that we fellowship around the table, and we do lows and highs every day. You know, we share what the low point of our day is and what the high point of our day is. We love that time. We also have what's called Family Fun Fridays, which many of you have heard of Family Fun Fridays. And um, we have um, every Friday night, we do something together as a family. Um, and it's fun. Sometimes it's game night. Sometimes it's all different kinds of things. Also a value for us is Tuesday night. Like I said, I have five kids. So it's a lot. A lot of kids, right? So every Tuesday night, though, it's one time special for that, that child. Every week we rotate a different child that they get to stay up 30 minutes later. They get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with us, right, just to make them feel, feel even more special. And so uh, th those are some of our, our values. Some of my personal values, and I've shared this with you all before, is this. First, I'm a child of God. Second, 
I'm a husband to Hannah. Third, I'm a father to my children. And fourth, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor fourth. And I share that with you and I continue to share it to you until you understand it. When I say no to things, it's because the order will get messed up if I don't. When I say yes to things, it's because I'm living out my values. My, my children know that my relationship with my wife comes before my relationship with my child. And I've argued with people about this before. But the reality is the best thing I can give Paulina or any of my children is a godly marriage. And model it before them. Because that will flow into how I parent. It will flow into their life. So that's my, my value. The reality is, is if, and you can look in God's word, and Eva says this, if, if my household is not in balance, if I get it all out of order, then chances are this church will be out of order as well. Right? First Timothy, or Second Timothy talks about that. How an elder should you know, look after his, his family or her family. And so I try to do that. And so what is your values? What is your family values this morning? We'll be in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. And if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, they'll be on the screen. Matthew 7. This is one of the most well-known sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus' most well-known sermon where he is... Um, teaching the disciples. He's teaching them all different kinds of things um, on what it is to be blessed, how, it, how we're to be salt and light in the world, how we're not to murder, how we're not to commit adultery, and all these different things. And he talks about how we're to love other people, not just uh, the ones that's easy to love, but also loving enemies, how we're supposed to give, pray, and fast, and all these different things. He is teaching them. And then he comes up, and he sa- this is the end of his sermon here with the disciples. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because its foundation was on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as They're teachers of the law. So Jesus, he is teaching these things. And they discover that he is one with ultimate authority. Think about that. He has complete authority. These aren't new words. Like the the teaching, like they have been taught, right, by other people. But yet he speaks with greater authority than them. Because Jesus Christ comes and he brings authority. It's for everyone. Verse 1 says, it's for everyone. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Jesus, every word of Jesus, his teaching, what he embodies, and puts them into practice, like actually does the words, like because we can know the word of God, but until we put it into practice, we're just fools. Because if you truly know the word of God and you have had that, that uh, life-changing experience, then you can't help to put it into practice. And so here, Jesus is teaching the disciples about what it looks like to have a solid rock foundation. A rock that is focused on his words, his revelation. Not of the world. Not even of the teachers of the law then. Not up to pop culture. For those are foolish things. To build anything on that will fall. It will crumble. But a wise man will build his house on the word of the Lord. The one that has true authority. And so my question to you this morning as we think about our, our values. What is your marriage built on? What is your family built on? What is your own personal um, desires built on? If it's anything other than Jesus, then it's wrong. It has to be built on Jesus Christ, for He is that solid rock. If we build it on anything else, it cannot stand. A mother is only as good as the foundation that she stands on. This Mother's Day, the mothers that we call the rock of our family, the only rock that they... that she could stand on is, is Jesus Christ. If she's standing on anything else, then she's not really that rock solid. The father is only as good as the foundation that he stands on. The child is only as good as the foundation that they stand on. The church is only as good as the foundation that it stands on. I love going on vacation. Now, my, my family, we like to go to the beach or the coast, whatever you want to call it, right? joke growing up was Christians go to the coast, not the beach. Well, I went to the beach and the coast, okay? It's all right. <laughs> um, I love to go to, to the beach. Some people like to go to the mountains. Um, but when you go to the beach, you put your foot in the sand. What happens to the sand? It goes around your foot, right? It conforms to the foot. When we place anything in sand, it will conform to it. That's what sand does. That's the design of sand. Now, if I go up to the mountains and I place my foot on a rock, is it going to do the same thing? No. Things that touch rock conform to the rock. Things that touch the sand, the sand conforms to it. And Jesus is saying to stand on the rock. Build on the rock, for that is a foundation that will stand. We don't build our houses on sand. We build them on rock. We put cinder block for the footing. You know, we make sure it's good and, and strong. Do we do that with our own spiritual lives as well? Jesus says this, or John says this about Jesus, he says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if we're going to put anything in foundation we, and build on it, it needs to be built on Jesus. And Jesus came 
full of grace and truth. And see, there's four types of foundation when it comes to grace and truth, when it comes to how we handle grace and truth. See, Jesus handled it one way, and we want to make sure that we are living that out in our homes, in our marriages, wherever we go. See, the four types of foundations is this. We have people that are apathetic. There is people in this world that are apathetic to grace and truth. They have no care in the world. They don't care what, what grace and truth is all about. They can care less about loving God, and they can care less about loving other people. They're apathetic. Apathy is everywhere. Like, you go out. You can see it in the churches. You can go into the malls. You can see it in the malls. You can go into the schools. Apathy is there. There's this numbness of nothing. They don't care. They lack care. So you can build on that, and you don't build on nothing. But then there's also this, this shameful foundation that people tend to build on, especially inside the church. See, and the, this type of person, they funnel truth and only truth. They don't funnel grace at all. See, they talk about truth in a way that makes it sound self-righteous. See, shame is, is very much inside the church in our day. I've experienced it myself as I was grow, growing up. People tried to shame me into following Jesus. It didn't work. It was the love of God that brought me into right relationship with him. So shame brings about a lot of legalism. Legalism has had its work inside of the church. It's had its work inside of this church. Legalism will not grow the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never intended legalism to be the foundation of his church. Legalism won't save you. Jesus Christ is what saves you. The truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. Then there's also the third foundation. And this is more of a sympathetic type foundation when it comes to grace and truth. So you have the, the one that's apathetic, who doesn't care. They don't care anything about grace or truth. Then you have the shameful type that all they care about is truth, 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 and that's it. But then you have the other side of the equation that is sympathetic. And they're all about grace. Feeling, feeling of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Common feeling. That is the, the feeling of, of sympathy for someone else. Some people like to show sympathy for others because they have received grace before and want it for them. And that's true. We are to freely receive and we are to freely give. But yet, it's not just grace that we received. It's grace and truth. And many people and, and churches are starting to do this and their foundation is only on grace and they don't speak truth to a world that needs to desperately hear truth. And so, they just show grace. See, truth without grace is wrong. See, truth without grace is mean. Truth without grace is cruel. Truth without grace beats up on people. Truth without grace repels people away from Jesus. Truth without grace tends to try to scare the hell out of people, literally. Truth without grace is not really truth. 
And the same goes for grace. Grace without truth is also wrong. Grace without truth is foolish. Grace without truth lacks honesty. Grace without truth chooses not to confront sin. Grace without truth is being nice at the expense of being real. Grace without truth watered down the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Grace without truth is not really grace. And the reality is, is that those two middle ones that I just shared with you is where most church people fall under. You either, you're either a truther or you're a gracer, gracer, right? I'm just making up words up here. You either stand on, on truth or you stand on grace. But we're not called to that. It's not a you either have to be this or that. It's not a either or. It's a both and. Which, mean, which brings about Jesus, what he stood on. He came full of grace and truth. And that brings about the last foundation, which I hope that we as a church build on. I hope that everyone here as their families and individuals build on. And that is a foundation of empathy. Empathy means to enter in to the feelings of another. And if you think about Jesus Christ, he did just that. He left his home. He emptied himself, put on flesh, came down into our neighborhoods, right? became a servant, went low. If that wasn't low enough, he actually went on a cross and died for our sins. But Jesus rose from the grave, conquered the grave, resurrection happened, and now he receives the name that's above every name, and that at that name every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that's the story of grace and truth. It's not just the story of truth. It's not just the story of grace. It's the story of grace and truth. My question to you this morning is, what are you building on? Are you building on grace with no truth? Are you building on truth without grace? If you build on any one of those individually, you miss out on the whole thing. It's both grace and truth because Jesus comes full of grace and truth. So apathy, you don't care. Shame, you bring about truth heavy, and that's it. Sympathy, it's all about grace, that's it. But empathy is what holy love looks like, and that's what Jesus Christ brought about. He had compassion. He, was, he had compassion for other people. He suffered with them. He suffered for them. He modeled what grace and truth truly looks like. So is Jesus your foundation? Jesus must be the foundation of this church, built on rock, not sand, built on grace and truth. Look at your own family. Maybe you don't care. And you are, have that spirit of apathy. It's okay, you can change today. Maybe you are built on shame. And just truth, that's it. And you just want to shame 
your children, your grandchildren into following Jesus. It ain't going to (laughs) work. It's not. That's what the Pharisees did. It ain't going to work. Or maybe you're just sympathetic. Well, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to give them the truth. And you just heavy grace, and that's it. My hope is that you will truly find holy love that's found in Jesus Christ. And that you will build on that and make that the solid rock of your, your home, of your own life, and of this church.